Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, a Gold Coast Sun show by fans for fans. I'm your host Shane and as we like to do every single week is start off the show by thanking our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Jack's dad, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim and Tim. You can join us and support the show over at patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcast from. Like, subscribe and review. Now, the season for Gold Coast Suns 2020 is over and in today's special episode, we are welcoming the AFL Exchange boys, Cal Toomey, Mitch Cleary and Riley Beveridge. Welcome to the show, guys. And as you guys like to say on your show... Let's get into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Shane. Uh, we've all obviously been on your show individually. So, yeah, I like the idea. We've been chatting about it pre-show and what we can all bring to the table. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. It's I'm just uh, proud and honoured to honour the great man, Paul Vosti. Uh, I met him at the Noosa Surf Club a few years ago and great to hear he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. So, good to be uh, following in his footsteps in 2020. Yeah, he was, and uh, he, he won't shut up talking about you guys. He, he loves you guys, and he keeps telling me about all the people he can help me get onto the show, uh, ranging from player managers and uh, people involved at the club. So I'm trying to help him uh, take him up on some of those offers. But I've always, since I got Cal on the show, I've always dreamed of getting the rest of you guys on. And to, to get you guys all on the same show together is really special uh, for me personally and you know it's great to have you guys on the show talking about the Gold Coast Suns because you all signed up to be Gold Coast Suns members this year uh, how has it been well, I finally got my uh, I finally got my Suns membership pack sent to me a couple of days ago so I'm through the roof I'm 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 over the moon with that I was waiting almost 6 months for my scarf to come but we should have actually brought it out it's somewhere in the background but uh no, it's been a good first year as a Gold Coast member and, uh, uh, yeah, well, at least you you got yours. <laughs> you didn't get hustled by Jack da- Jack's dad's son, um, <laughs> who uh, yeah, he, he signed me up for a membership, and then my number three badge just went missing in the mail. But yeah, I know Mitcho's been signed up for a little while too. What badge did? Been you pumping get? my tunes through the uh, through the little speaker that that you get, and uh, the scarf hasn't made it out of the house yet. But hopefully next season. I've still got a game to. I didn't get eight years of my game membership this year, but uh, hopefully they roll it over to twenty twenty one for me. And what badge did you get, Mitch? I didn't get one. Oh, you signed up um, for a, a bigger membership, did you? Yeah, I would have gone for. I would have gone for Charlie Ballard. I reckon he's uh, he's my man. Um, I've claimed him pretty early, so uh, I would have. I would have gone for him. He might win the Suns BNF. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, well, we had we did have a debate a few weeks back on our podcast. Uh, Jordan Ridley or Charlie Ballard. Ridley, of course, won Essendon's best and fairest of both those intercepting halfback types. So it'd be only fitting if Charlie could do it. I, I think he's got a few contenders. Um, Hugh Greenwood, Lockie Waller, Took Miller. Um, no doubt Sam Collins will be in the conversation. Yep. So. And uh, Riley, uh, who, whose badge did you get? I, I got my man Noah's. So uh, we had to... Had to one of the the fellow mullet man and uh, and get Noah. Although he's he's not running with the the similar haircut to me anymore. He's he's changed it up this season, which which we love. But uh, but yeah, had to get Noah for me. It, it's a bit hard to run with a mullet up here on the Gold Coast. It's too hot <laughs> and sweaty. Um. So while we're talking about Noah Anderson, he's uh, in line to win the Rising Star on Friday, but he's uh, coming up against Caleb Sarong. Now you guys on your podcast AFL Exchange today said that uh, all agree that Caleb Sarong is probably the bet more likely to win, let's say. Uh, how how do you go about that? Is that based on the fact he's played, um, well, obviously better, but he's very compar- comparable to um, Noah Anderson, uh, but Noah Anderson's played more games and probably done equally as much. Pick the Sun supporter. Uh, look, the, <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, Sarong's impact has been bigger. That's where I'd lie. And uh, I think that you know, he had to wait a little bit longer to get in there uh, than, than what Noah, Noah did. And Noah's consistency has been pretty good as well. But I feel like Sarong's impact in that midfield group has been stronger. We all know that, you know, if, if someone's shoulder hadn't been busted in round five, then uh, it would have gone a different way. But... Yeah, I think Noah's had a really good season. I just think Sarong's a bit ahead, Mitch and Riley. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, to be honest, I think it's a two-horse race. I, I think they're in a tier above the rest. I think there's a few other Suns players in that that tier below, like like Rankin and, and Budrick. But I, I think that um, I think they're, they're clearly in a different tier to everyone else. But I just think Sarong's toughness, class on the ball, probably played a bigger midfield role throughout the year in terms of how much Fremantle's relied upon him in that midfield. I think that's just where he shades Noah. I think Noah's season's actually gone quite under the radar. I think Matt Rowell probably stole a lot of headlines early, but, but I think Caleb's probably just pipped him across the entire season. Yeah, and... Yeah, with Riley. Looking at... Yeah, just that half-forward role that Noah's played, uh, I think Caleb's been a pure midfielder when he's come in, so keen to see when Noah increases his tank and has a big impact on games. He'll get there. He'll, it could even be as soon as next year when Rowell and Anderson are both pure mids. But just for this season alone, I think they're going to go so wrong. Yeah, I guess uh, impact is something that you can't compare with statistics. I mean, I'm looking at the statistics now of Anderson and Sarong and very similar, uh, except Anderson's been able to put it together over 17 games compared to Sarong's 14. Um, but impact is obviously something the stats don't tell. And, yeah, it's it's obviously going to be a close one. And I don't think Noah could feel too bad if he doesn't end up taking out the honours on Thursday night. I'm sure it won't Cal- fuss him too much. He doesn't get fussed does Rao, too much. Does Rao get a vote from anyone? Uh, I made I the think, point that I, uh, I reckon, gives him at least I reckon he played three good games. Three good games for, for Matt Rowell. There's not many other guys that have had those impact in that, like in the, those games. But just a matter of whether they go for consistency over the season. Do you Three vote games, now? No, no, no. Vote. He's not getting a vote. He's not getting a vote. 
He will. Some selector will give him one because you know we the selectors can throw up some surprises in their their NAB AFL Rising Star votes from time to time, and there has been some eyebrow raising uh, selections over the past couple of years. I think 2018 might have thrown up an odd one, but I, I can't see uh, I can't see Raul. I don't think he should get one. He'll get his time next year. He'll win it next year. Well, he doesn't need to vote this year. From from uh, the show today, I was listening to AFL Exchange. Um, I think it was you, Mitch, that was saying one vote for either Rao or Rankin. It's hard to split them because, you know, Rankin's had three really good games. Rao had three really good games. I got to agree with you on Rao for that one because he, he had more of an impact in those games and Rankin hasn't really done much besides the other, oh. besides those few good games. And he, he, it's not like he won the game off his own boot. No, it's, it's great to be on a podcast where there's a bit of sense being spoken, which is great. Um, and someone finally having um, some similar thoughts as me, Shane. So thanks for that. But Rankin, he burst onto the scene. I just haven't seen – he's been a bit of a tease to me, honestly. I, I know he's, he's only a second-year player, first year of the AFL, but I was a little bit disappointed in – he just went missing in quite a few games. I know that's the, the case for a lot of small forwards, but just with his talent, I would have uh, liked to see a, a little bit more in the back half of this year. Yeah, agree. Um, I feel like from basically half time of his first game, the opposition coaches started paying attention to him and really uh, sending someone to to shut him down, and that's just lasted throughout the whole season. So I think he's had a bit of a disadvantage there. But then again, Matt Rowe had someone sent to him in his second or uh, sorry, probably his third or fourth game, and. Yeah, he handled the pressure quite well. I remember that game against Fremantle when Fife was up against him, and um, I don't know who Frio's tagger is, but didn't they send someone to him as well? And then obviously Geelong went and sent a hard tag to him as well, and uh, unfortunately that was the game where he got injured. Um, moving on, let's. Uh, I want to have a couple of questions thrown at you boys about what you guys do with AFL Exchange. First of all, how has it been taking the AFL Exchange podcast, which I've followed since it basically started with Matt Thompson, Drew Petrie, and I think the other bloke was called Andrew. How have you guys gone to take this brand in the last year, or last year, I think you guys took it over, and you you don't have regular AFL players on the show. Like That used to be the big selling point with Drew Petrie coming in and then... Uh, I can't remember the other players. I think Trelaw might have come on. And, um, I think it's Brayshaw. Yeah, Brayshaw. And you guys you guys have sort of taken this and run with it. And you're obviously targeting, I think you're targeting a lower demographic, like a, a younger demographic than what it previously was. Nah, l- lower probably as well. <laughs> <laughs> but ha- were you daunted by the task of coming in and taking the show over? Well, can I just say, for a start, <laughs> one of us did exist from the very beginning as well. <laughs> like, uh, not these two either. Uh, look, I wasn't as part of that uh, immediate crew, but I was there for the last couple of years of uh, show, and I think there was a rotating panel at that point, and, and it was very serious footy at that point with a mix of humour. Matt Thompson had his own blend of humour, and, and Angus Brasher was a huge talent. Really, like I'm not sure if you listened to that year, but he was amazing. Really, um, for what we got out of him that year in the AFL, wasn't that the year he was dominating? Yeah, he, he did everything that year. He started out of the side, 
He, he got dropped. His contract came up. He was getting linked to everywhere. He signed a new contract. He finished third in the Brownlow. His brother got, um, I think he said, he, he. I think he actually said on the show, he felt like his brother got assaulted on the field. Uh, and then Melbourne had this dream run in the finals and they got conked out in the prelim. It was amazing. So every week he would come in and we're like, what are you going to, what have you got for us this year? Um, and obviously since then he left the podcast and, and at that point, we sort of threw up a few ideas, didn't we, guys, about who we could get on? And <laughs> some, some, have, some have fared better than others. <laughs> Are we going to say the name? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to cop it if we're happy to roll out the name that we threw up. Oh, no one listens to this show. It's okay. <laughs> Go on, Mitcha. No, we threw up two, didn't we? I was an advocate for Billy Gowers. I, I, I like. <laughs> I, I'll put Billy Gowers' name forward and. Fair to say, um, he doesn't hasn't done a great deal since. We also threw up Jordan Dugowie, too, um, but that didn't happen, obviously. So then we thought, well, we're just stuck with us three roles. So and we sort of thought uh, there was probably a market in an area on afl.com.au for a little bit of fun and a little bit of colour and um, a lot of look at the footy um, industry and, and the world that we exist in and trying to... Basically, Shane, we have an office that's a lot of fun and we wanted to bring a bit of our office into uh, a podcast. So I think that's sort of where it all came from. Well, it what I will say, does that. What I will say about that as well is we've also got, I'm sure, as is the case with the, uh, the GC Suns cast, but we've got a very loyal listenership that comes back every week and, and interacts with us on social media. And we're very appreciative of that fan base that we've built over the last two years that they, they continue to come back as well. Yeah, it's it's been really successful, I think. I certainly look forward to listening to it every single week. And um, I might not always agree with some of your comments <laughs> and some of the uh, the opinions you guys have. Uh, but it's certainly uh, food for thought. Um, I'm hey, not Shane. Sh- yeah. Have, have you got a favourite? <laughs> a favourite person? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, I was on GC Suns cast first. Well, so I, I would say it would be you, but since then I've got to know Mitch Cleary and Riley Beveridge quite well. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> All right. Hope well, the Suns know that I'm going to be a one-year and one-year-only member. So that's, uh, that was nice. <laughs> well, on that, um, if the, the Gold Coast Suns look to approach you guys again next year to buy a membership... Which player would be the, the selling player that you would buy a membership off? Mitch, let's start with you. I reckon Ben King. Like he's done with a lot of the other guys with their contracts. I think he was the one, the kingpin, you could uh, say, pardon the pun, that they had to <laughs> lock away to have him as the, the driving force. And I think he, he allowed the dominoes to fall with a few other contracts. So if I wanted a player to come to me to pitch the Suns, Ben King did it to his teammates, so uh, I think he should come calling to a few members and I'll be uh, front of that queue. And Cal? Ooh, uh, oh, it's just going to be one of my favourites probably. Mitch, you talk about the draftee that came across first but and signed up and committed. I'd probably go with the player who chose the Gold Coast when they're at rock bottom, Lockie Weller. Um, I know you don't rate him too highly, Mitch, but, um, you know, some of the stuff that he's done <laughs> this year. No, I know you do. I know you do rate him. I know you do rate him, but uh, look, I think he's been a good pickup. He pledged his allegiances there when no one else wanted a bar of the joint. So I think uh, I think he would sell a good membership. And he's a good-looking bloke too, just like Riley Beveridge. Who would you take? I would say I know Mitch on our podcast put um, 
Trevor Nisbet from West Coast on notice a few <laughs> weeks ago and ever since West Coast have been flying. So since that happened, I'll say Isaac Rankin. Ever since Mitch has bagged him, I think uh, he's the one player that's going to be the match winner for years to come. And I reckon Mitch has put him on notice now and the, the history after that would suggest that he's going to win the Brownlow and a Coleman next year. There you go, Suns <laughs> marketing team. That's uh, three easy memberships there. Just get the phone calls done. Um, all right, let's move on to the season review for the Gold Coast Suns. Now, if I was told at the start of the season it would be a five-and-a-half win season with around 90%, I'd probably take that. Um, it was a disappointing finish to the year after what we'd seen early. But uh, from where the Suns were coming and how so many people weren't tipping them to win a majority of games or any games, uh, it was really quite impressive. And the way they went about it early was probably the most impressive bit. We we look at that uh, demolition of West Coast back in round two, uh, the way they came up against Adelaide and Fremantle the following weeks, and then probably the way they competed and they were in the game up against Geelong, up against Melbourne, and a lot of these sides earlier in the season, the Bulldogs, Essendon, and St Kilda, a couple of close losses and a draw in one case there. Uh, so how do you guys see the Sun season? Is it similar to the way I see it? I think it's taken big steps forward. I think you, you would have said five and a half wins in a 22-game season. It's a pretty good record in a 17-game season, like you said, for, for most of us who had the Suns in the bottom four. I think the biggest shining light this year for the Suns is the fact there's finally some competition for spots. I think you could easily say over the last three or four years before this that the issue with the Suns has been too many players are gifted games. We saw Braden Fiorini uh, in the top handful in the BNF last year sign a long-term deal. He struggled for games. Peter Wright on big money and has two years to run. He didn't even get uh, selected this year. Throwing Alex Sexton, leading goal kicker, a couple of seasons in and out of the team. So that's finally a great breakthrough for the Suns, I think, that they've been able to uh, finally have some uh, demand for spots and, and players not being just gifted spots because of their names. Uh, you mentioned. Oh, sorry, Riley. Yeah. No, I was going to say you mentioned you mentioned a couple of their performances there. I remember that Adelaide game. I think it was in round three. I know the West Coast game will be the standout one because I think that's the one that obviously their biggest scalp of the year. But I watched that West Coast game in shock that they were able to do that. I watched the Adelaide game expecting them to win, and for them to be such a young club and to be so ruthless in that game, that was the most impressed I've been by Gold Coast this year. It was a game they needed, they, they had to win to back up and say that West Coast game wasn't a fluke. I think they came out and they led by 60 points midway through the third quarter and they really took their foot off the pedal in the last quarter because if not, they could have won by 80, which is remarkable. It could have been the biggest win of the year in a, in a shortened quarter sort of season. So that was the game that really pressed home to me just how good the, the ceiling of this side could be. I was a as you said, Shane, I was a bit disappointed with the back half of the campaign. I would have liked to see them really um, sort of push ahead after they got those first few wins on the board early in the campaign. But but look, to to have the development that they showed throughout the year, particularly early, I think that's got to be promising going forward. Yeah, agree there. Uh, Cal? Yeah, I, was, I would have loved for them to win seven games. And I know it's only a game and a half off that, and they should have beaten Eston when it was the draw. They threw that one away at a point of the season where they were still sort of half a chance to make the finals. In the end, I left a little bit disappointed, I must say, um, because I think they're good enough. They had enough players out there. They weren't struck by injuries as much as they had been in previous years. 
Uh, they had a pretty good list available right all the way through. So I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity to go to seven. Yeah, and I, I wrote up the show notes about a week ago before the Hawthorne game. And in the show notes, I wrote... Uh, well, hang on. This is one of the the segments uh, AFL Exchange likes doing could... <laughs> is that... Hang on a second. Hoas? <laughs> um, so hang on a second if the Suns won games versus Dogs, Bombers and Saints would they be in the finals race and I did the maths last week at the ladder and they would actually be in contention for finals however the Hawthorne game obviously pushes that that scenario out but you could argue if they had won those games uh, they would actually have had something to play for just like Hawthorne had something to play for to send out their retiring champs. What do you guys think of that one? Yeah, ifs and buts and maybes. Like, but there is uh, merit to that. Like, um, you, you know, you have to probably get across the line in those closer games and the games that you should win. And maybe that's the evolution of the team next year. It's just finishing off those sides that are around them, um, Rolls. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and you mentioned the games that were winnable there. Cal mentioned the Essendon game, which, I mean, you watched that game and you thought they were the better side throughout it. They really should have won. That was the case in a number of those close losses where you thought maybe with a couple more years of maturity under their belt, this side will get over the line in these games. Is it a season of what-ifs? I think maybe. And I think it probably would be the case for a number of clubs that it's going to be just because of how unpredictable it is, because of the short nature of it means that it's you don't have that have to be better for longer across the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll they'll get to a point where they'll probably look back at this season and, said, and say to themselves, we could have capitalised on the unpredictabilities and the, the, the things that fell in our favour, playing more games in Queensland. And, and the fact that they haven't taken that next step earlier than they might have liked might be a bit of a regret from the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other hang-on-a-second moments for the Suns? Otherwise, I've got some more I can throw at you. <laughs> Throw us at him. All right. This is uh, one I brought up with Cal a few, uh, probably the last time he was on the show. Hang on a second. Should the Suns change their branding? Oh, that, that's a thing that should happen. Not, not, <laughs> that, that is an absolute just must do. And I reckon it's a chance of happening, actually. I don't think it's just me Oof. and us who are talking about this. Oh. Is like the Chinos included? The, the, no, the uh, Chinos are out. The Chinos are gone, Mitch. Have I missed that this year? Yeah, they've they've they've, uh, they've, they've been, been out this year. I think they've been shorts. replaced by the blue Chinos, maybe. I thought they were doing the it coaches. Yeah. You just can't see it because it's all video meetings. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I think the, I think the the brown Chinos or the beige Chinos are gone. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. But I do agree. Uh, I, think the, I think the branding, I think the logo can have a spruce up. That's the... Yeah, that's the, the last cog to sort of tick over for the Suns to really turn into the, the AFL club that I think they will be. So we're we looking at more of a traditional change up with the logo and stuff. Yeah, or something more sleek. Just give us one. like give us a V or something, or give us a, some sort of sash or hoop or or uh, 
lines or you know something like that. Yeah, uh, the prison bars, red, red and yellow prison bars. I'm sure Colin. Red and yellow prison that. bars like would be a disaster for me because <laughs> too close together. It really brings out the color blindness. Um, All right, yeah, some and, work to do. Um, and another ex- uh, segment from AFL Exchange. I'm going to steal for the show. Things that should happen. Rail should win the Rising Star in 2021. Oh. Mitch, what would his odds be to start next year? It'd be a dollar ten. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I think if he doesn't win it next year, he gets injured again. That's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way I see it. You just think of those three games he played before he got injured, and I I can't think of another player in the comp that can do that. Jamara. What about Jamara? Jamara comes in and kicks 45 goals in a Western Bulldogs side that goes did, to the prelim next year. When was the last time, though, we saw a key forward in his first year dominate? Jesse Hogan? Maybe not in his first year, but that was his first full season, I think, and he won the Rising Star. That was a sort of similar debate. You had Hogan, who's the Jamara, yeah. and you had Cripps, who's the yeah. Rowl. Then we have... We have a similar debate. Then we have O'Meara that year as well. Or was that the year before? Might have been the year before, I think. So it would have been Martin was part of that mini draft with Hogan. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, things that should happen. The Gold Coast Suns should find a replacement for Rory Thompson. I like it. I think that's their biggest need. It, and I heard Paul Vosti, and I'm, as you know, I'm a big fan of that man's work. Darcy Moore, if there was a prototype of player you would want in the Gold Coast Suns side, it would be Darcy Moore. I know he's he's not going to move to Gold Coast. Well, he might have liked his time in the hub. You don't know, but he's, he's going to most likely stay at Collingwood. But that type, that intercepting type, would be a godsend for, for Stewart, you, I reckon. Well, there's a, there's a couple of uh, key defenders that look like they'll be on the market this year. Uh, Tom McDonald's being talked about as looking for a move from Melbourne. Um I'm going blank. Oh, sorry, he's um, no, Hooker and Hurley Tom McDonald's father, mother, and father-in-law like the Bulldogs, so he might be going there <laughs> after Steve-O's tweet today saying that uh, he was spotted driving a car. <laughs> Mark Stevens tweeted <laughs> saying he was spotted. Tom McDonald was spotted in a car with Bulldogs fifty-four number plates. If you can believe that. <laughs> so, could, I don't could, you, know. could you throw Peter Wright into, into the defence? Could he play as a defender? Is that the way you could reinvigorate think, his career? I think he's too slow. Like, he's got the endurance, mm. but he doesn't have the speed, I don't think. Um, I mean, Sam Day's done defence before, and he, he's done quite well. But they seem to be persistent on playing Sam Day forward. Now, the other option is they do throw Sam Day back, and they target a key forward. Again, there's a few key forwards on the market this year. Obviously, someone like Jeremy Cameron's probably going to go to Geelong, but... Uh, ben Brown seems to be unhappy. Um, Joe Danaher is unhappy. Uh, there, there's a few options floating around the, the trade table already. I'll get there the are. rat as well. Yeah, sorry, who? I'll get the rat, Rory Atkins. Rory Atkins, yeah. Um, hang well, on a second. Get, hang on a second. <laughs> they, they do not need Rory. I know he's going there, four-year deal. They do not need Rory Atkins. He's going to bump a good young player out of the side. Braden Fiorini couldn't get a game this year. If he comes in next year and bumps out a Will Powell or a Jack Bowes for that position for a wing half back type, I'll be filthy. He's not the player the Suns need. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I don't understand why he would be coming into the side, although we, we're yet to hear the delistings from the Suns camp. I can only suspect he's going there to fill the sort of role that George Holland-Smith and Jordan Murdoch have been filling for the last few years. Yeah, they were brought on as sort of leadership players, weren't they? They're almost like leadership consultants in a playing capacity. Uh, and that's sort of the role that I saw from them firsthand when I was up there in that week last year. And, yeah, I mean, they were serviceable, but you'd have to say that they were brought more for their off-field than their on-field. But I, I think the Suns are past that now, aren't they? They would surely wouldn't so be too, recruiting yeah. Rory Atkins for that. I mean, they clearly are identifying a kicker, aren't they, Mitch? And they, yeah. they sort of see him as that. Yeah. Well, their no, the oh, efficiency has been probably the worst out of any other club this year. Except maybe Adelaide. Yeah. I, I, those two players I mentioned, Powell and Bose, they're, they're best between two players. They're walk-ups every week. But next year, we're going to get to a situation where there's going to be players missing out for Rory Atkins. I, I'd just like to see them continue on this path and, and back in the 21-year-olds who will soon be 23, 24, 25 and stick with them. But, uh, you know, that, that's uh, that's the Suns' way that they're going. And maybe they're looking for a bit of stability with a player. In that, to be fair, they don't have many players in that. Cal, they wouldn't have many players in that 24 to 27 mould right now. So maybe it's a, a, an age demographic thing they've identified on their list. I think Colin Yeah, true. The, the other interesting player. part about it is... Sorry, Shane. The other interesting part about it is that they've got pick five and they get two players who are viewed as top 20 picks for free. Um, what do they do with pick five? Like, Do they really need a, another draftee at this point? I don't know. It'd be interesting to watch to see what they do with that top selection. It would be. Um I think this is probably the year they need to try and bring in a, a target with that pick five. But your guess is as good as mine as to who it would be. Um, fingers crossed that someone like Darcy Moore, but I, I optimistically, I can't see that happening. <laughs> you guys got any mail? <laughs> About Darcy Moore going there? Yeah, I don't, anyone. <laughs> personally, I wouldn't see Darcy Moore going there. But look, the one to watch, I guess, is Nathan Broad as well, where that one ends up. Uh, they've clearly identified too a, a third sort of tall rebounding defender to add to that group, and maybe Mitch that would free up Jack Bowes to go back into a midfield position um, at some point in the next couple of years too. Even though he has settled in pretty nicely off half back, so um, they're spoiled for riches. But a fascinating thing will be too around what they do with list sizes and and how that impacts the the Suns, given they've got forty plus contracted and and fifty plus on a list. You know, so they'll be. Very, very interested more than any club, I think, to, as to what the decision is there and how that shapes their off-season. Do we know when that decision is expected? Oh, well, I mean, it was any, it's was any. it been any day for, for a little while now. So um, I think clubs were hoping it would be by this week. I think the AFL is meeting with the list managers again in a couple of days or over the next 24, 48 hours. So they were hoping by then, but still that's uh, a little bit up in the air. Okay. I still hope the Suns get some allowance. I know they had extra players in 2020. It should, I don't think the Suns should be as hard as everyone because they've been making list decisions on based on that for, for a long time. So I think they should be scaled back maybe the same percentage as everyone else. But I'd still like to see the Suns, given what they've had in 2020, have a couple more players in, in 21 to allow for, for what they had in previous years. Yeah, well, they were only given those concessions last year for the extra, the extra players. So it would be a bit weird to to take the, all that back straight away as you said it should probably be a percentage base where um if it's they they cut an extra maybe one player 
than the rest of the competition every year until it's it's back to to scale because it sounds like they want to stagger this over several years. Um, okay, so this season, who would be the most improved player at the Suns? Do you guys think? Let's start with you, Riley. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, probably can't name a first year player in this, can you? I'd probably say Lockie Weller. I know Cal mentioned him before, but just he's, I'm not saying he hasn't been good in the past, but just his body of work's been as consistent as it has been. That's including his time at Fremantle. Um, has a really clear and defined role in that side now, provides a lot of run for the side, provides that finishing ability that uh, I think the, the team probably lacked uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and, and yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably say he's been my, he's been the one that's impressed me the most that I probably didn't expect to see impress me this year. Yeah, he set the tone early in that Allies vs. Victoria game at the start of the year. And uh, mm. he's followed through for most of the season with some good performances. Uh, Cal, you got one? Yeah, an interesting player for me has been Caleb Graham. I think what he's done over the last month or so, back end of the season, has been pretty impressive. To be honest, I wasn't sure that he'd be able to do that as quickly as he has. So he's probably one that uh, has come in and talk about the Rory Thompson replacement in the future, maybe they've already got one in Caleb Graham what he's been able to do uh, deep in defence um, over the last little bit of the season. Yeah, I still think he's only played maybe a dozen games or less than that, so he's still got a lot to learn from. Uh, hopefully he does sort of mature and understand the the, the craft of being a defender a bit, a bit better. He, he obviously made a few mistakes this year. He didn't look too good against the, the big American, Mason Cox, but yeah, he, he's done a few nice things as well. And Mitch, what, who have you got for us? I'm going to go to Sam Day. Had a scrap and fight for a new contract last year after that hip surgery. I think he's had a great season playing that second key position and providing a ruck assistance for Jared Witts. And then Will Powell, I've spoken about him a couple of times. His class, I think, has been much needed for the Suns. And I do raise him because I want to go back. Cal Toomey had insight on this before anyone. He was an early pick. He was a bolter in that draft, Cal. And I did read an article where you were mentioned that you are on the inside of this selection. Will Powell going to the Suns? Yes. I just realised what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were on draft night. I remember I uh, was given a bit of an advance warning that that's the way they were going to go by the, um, the hierarchy there. So that was, that was very helpful just to, yeah, just to sort of make sure that we were across it. And obviously there was, that was done in some confidence. The other interesting part about this one as well um, is that I was going to drop something there, but I'm not going to drop that next, actually. I want to save that. <laughs> I want to Ooh. save that for a story about Will Powell at some other time, but sorry. I led you down, I led you down, then down. So yeah, you, we'll keep no, that one up right. our sleeve, but sorry, mate. All right. Well, yeah, Will Powell's been pretty impressive. He's been one of the favourites for the coaching staff there at the Suns and had a horrible injury luck the last couple of years. But he's had a good crack at it this season, and with a, a move down into defence, a position change, he's starting to look more and more at home there. He's got the speed and he's got the the ability to, to get the ball and clear it out. Uh, probably a Hanley replacement already there, and that's why we didn't see much of Hanley in the second half of the year. Um, no, I, I probably don't want to bring up delistings or anything like that 
because I don't like talking bad about players and who's going to lose their jobs. Uh, but Hanley, do you feel like the Suns are going to lose much with him um, having retired? It, it was kind of a bit of a shock, but at the same time, we sort of hadn't really seen the best of him lately, have we? No, I don't think they'll lose too much, Mitch. I think they've you know, they've sort of found a couple over the, this year. Even Jared Harbury, I think, you know, what happens with him at the end of the season and whether he wants to go on next year. But like Connor Budrick has shown that he's ready to take on that role um, in the future. Yeah, they can get Nathan Broad in. That's a nice position, uh, a nice player for that position uh, across half back. I reckon it opens up a, a nice little pool of money. I think Pierce Hanley was on a pretty healthy deal in his time at the Gold Coast Suns and they got him um, from Brisbane. So that, that'll help. Um, the other ones we speak of, I've just got my eyes on the, the guys they, they brought in on those four-year deals as mature ages, so Chris Burgess and Josh Corbett. I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns would maybe look at moving them on or um, get something for them because um, they are both brought in on, on pretty well long-term deals and uh, haven't, but neither have been mainstays this, this season, so maybe something in the works there. Yeah, Burgess hasn't done... Well, he hasn't been at AFL level this year, but he's from reports he's done quite well in the scratch matches. Um, maybe more of a depth player there, so I could see him being moved on. Uh, Corbett's a surprising one because he came into the AFL side about three quarters of the way through, and he's had a, a couple of hard games, but he's also had a, a couple of good games in there as well and shown that he can handle it at this level. What did you guys think? Yeah, he's, that in, he's that interesting type, Corbett. I, I, he plays taller than what he stands. Uh, and then with if they go with Sam Day and Ben King, of course, with Sexton sort of playing that third hybrid type, then maybe there's not a spot for him. But they persisted with him in the back half of the year. Josh Corbett, um, they love his tank and what he brings off field with his professionalism. So I, I don't think – I think there's a spot for him on an AFL list. I just think maybe uh, they, look, they may look to do something. So the Gold Coast Suns, um, best and fairest, is happening this Friday night. If you guys had one pick, who would be your um, best and fairest winner for the Gold Coast Suns in 2020? Let's start with Riley. Oh. Uh, Sam Collins. I thought he was... Do you know what? For all of the outrage today about Stephen May not making the All-Australian squad, Sam Collins was a better and more consistent defender this season than Stephen May was. And yeah, I'd probably yeah, say I, This might be controversial, but I think he was a better, a more consistent defender than Weedering and Darcy Moore as well. And they were both named in the squad. So I, I thought I thought Jonas and Andrews were pretty clearly the two best key defenders in the comp this year. I thought Ryan and Haynes were probably the best interceptors. But... Uh, I thought there wasn't much difference between, um, or there wasn't much of a drop off between Andrews and Jonas and um, and and Sam Collins. So I think Collins could could nip in and and, and win the best and fairest. Yeah, Cal. I reckon Jared Witts. Jared Witts. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, you know, just keeps fronting up. Bit underrated as a player, Jared Witts. I reckon. Yeah, so he'd probably go back-to-back. I think he won it last year as well. So that would be a a good achievement from him. And Mitch, who would your pick be? Yeah, I reckon Sam Collins as well. I love how angry he is. 
So uh, he's my pick for the best and fairest. That, that, it doesn't shock me that that Mitch likes the anger because you should see him sometimes, Shane, before exchange starts. I know he's a bit of a, you know, we get the laugh out of him, the giggle occasionally at it on exchange, but gee whiz, he comes in hot and steam out of the ears sometimes. It's therapeutic, the podcast. It is. Uh, okay, so it's been a, a season like no other. But we've seen a lot of things introduced into the season this year. Uh, I mean, we're getting a night grand final and it's being played outside of Victoria. Uh, we saw the footy frenzy where we had several games over the space of uh, two weeks. And we saw the floating fixture as well. Out of all these, which ones do you think is more likely to continue next season? The floating fixture, you think, would, would stay in. I think the footy frenzy in some description would stay in. I think they'd love to play some footy over a condensed block in Queensland, potentially matching up with the Victorian school holidays, something like that. That wouldn't surprise me. I'll give you one thing and one I'll give you one thing to stay and one thing that should go. I think Cal Toomey should go as a bus driver. There's been too many complaints um, from clubs about Cal driving their mini buses around. Um, and then <laughs> The thing that should stay, I think they should find a happy medium between 16 and 20-minute quarters. I'd be all for 18-minute quarters. There's enough games that drag on too long. Shave 10 or 15 minutes off the broadcast time. Keep people from out of traditional footy markets engaged for longer. Uh, I'd be all for the for the shorter games. Right. I, don't, I don't mind that call as well. I like, I like shorter games. I was a bit sceptical of it early, but I think it's found its place. And I love the floating fixture. I think you get the opportunity where in round before the season starts, you schedule a round 18 Friday night game this year between, I don't know, North Melbourne and Sydney thinking they might be challenging for the eight. And it turns into mm. one of the most mundane games of all time. I think a floating fixture doesn't allow that to happen. You get the best games in the primetime slots each and every week. And I think that can only be good for, um, as Mitch said, Fans in smaller markets and fans who have a slight interest in the game tuning in and engaging more with the game going forward. Yeah, big fan of the floating fixture. I mean, it allowed us to see Gold Coast Suns play their first primetime game. Um, the the footy frenzy, I'm okay with. I, I think once a year, maybe two games in the space of a week for all the clubs. Um, but I, I love the the shortened quarters, and I actually love the the shortened season, the seventeen rounds. Um, like it's seventeen rounds, and I'm glad the football season's over. As a Suns fan, it was getting a bit hard near the end there, but it's. I think it helps maintain the focus and the the passion for football for the fans to not have so much of it all at once, but have it. Yeah, have the 17 rounds, have it fairly even. Yeah, I mean, the commercial realities of it suggest it probably won't happen. If it was going to go anyway, it'd have to go the other way to make up a bit of cash on the, on, on the other end. But I see your point. I would say as well that I can't put myself in your headset or anyone else, uh, headset or, or mindset, headset that you're wearing at the moment or mindset just generally. But I think that's... Um, you know, everyone to some degree probably is looking forward to the end of this season uh, because it sort of marks a month closer to the end of the year and there's been such a, um, a sort of nervous 
sort of tension around this year all the way through. So I feel like that might be impacting some people's views around uh, shorter seasons. Maybe. I'm just, I don't want to speak for you, but that feels like yeah, it might be how some people are viewing it. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. I mean, up here in Queensland on the Gold Coast, we probably aren't suffering the same sort of things uh, other parts of the country are. So I guess we're not that eager to push the 2020 aside as some others are but that's a discussion for another time we're running almost out of time on the show so first of all i'd like to thank you guys for coming on really appreciate it it's been a great chat uh before we go does anyone have any late mail they want to bring up any breaking news suns related no (laughs) what do you got for us clears i've got got one sort of you go go, ross I was going to okay, say, well, I, think, I, I think... <laughs> <laughs> okay, just quickly, the Corbett, I did drop it before, but I, I think there's something going on with uh, one of those players, Corbett or Burgess. Watch this space on those two. All right. Woo. You heard it here first, Suns fans. Mitch Cleary breaking the news on the GC Sunscast Cross AFL Exchange. All right, well, guys, I look forward to hearing your next show on... Uh, Riley had some news. Riley, Riley was about to drop something. Oh, right. I've got I've got big trade news regarding Gold Coast. Okay, go. I got I've I've heard a whisper that Kaltumi might be looking to move up there full time from next year. <laughs> that that that's not just a whisper. I'm I'm happy to confirm that one. Well, <laughs> I've got a spare room at my place, so you're more than welcome to stay there until you find a new place. <laughs> oh, the, the Royal Pines is looking after me beautifully at the minute, so I appreciate the offer. Though we'll wait and see how uh, the next few weeks pans out. But look, I'm. I'm uh, enjoying life as a Queenslander. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it. Just make sure the fridges, make sure the fridges stocked with ice cream. That's it. <laughs> Go, son. And and you've and you've got a bus out the front. <laughs> <laughs> If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.